At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through our message series, Soul Food, when a meal with Jesus was more than food, we'll unpack what Jesus has to teach us from the time He spent around the table. Here in the ordinary, everyday sharing of a meal, we'll discover who Jesus came for, what it takes to be with Him, and how you and I can be changed by His greatness and grace. Thank you. <clears throat> so my voice is pretty much back, all right? But I do have this thing called water that's going to help me just in case things go south quickly. But before we jump into it, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think with me, what is the most satisfying meal you have ever had? Think with me. Maybe it's like your favorite restaurant. There's some really good restaurants around this area. I've been to Dimitri's a couple times, and it was good. Uh, maybe it is grandma's Thanksgiving feast or Christmas feast. You know, maybe it's that person in this church, Joe Biondo has already offered to bring me over for some Italian food, so I'm excited about that. You know, think with me. What was the most satisfying meal you've ever had. You know, I've been able to talk the last couple weeks about my family, my big Greek heritage, and there was one story that came to mind when thinking about the most satisfying meal I've ever had. And it actually took place in 2016, and I was at a church down in northern uh, Indiana, and our family had got so big that we needed a new venue, right? Like a home wasn't good enough. And so they said, hey, Winston, he has his church he's at. We can use the facility. Let's have Thanksgiving feast down there. You had a gym. You had the fellowship hall. You had the nursery. You had everything. So people could go around and, and, and put their kids down for naps or change them. Or we could go play basketball. But we had the entire church for this Thanksgiving feast. And it was It was amazing. Because we had our turkey, our corn, our potatoes, our rolls, our stuffing, we had all that. But what made this specific meal so memorable was all the extra things that we had. We had Chinese food, <laughs> we had steak, we had whoppers, <laughs> we had McDonald's fries. We had just all these giant local pizzas. We literally had everything. It was, it was less of a Thanksgiving feast and more like a trip to the Golden Corral. Like it was everything. And that doesn't have anything to do with our dessert pyramid of hostess treats. We literally had an actual pyramid we created with Twinkies, Ho-Hos, Ding Dongs. We had it all. And little Debbie, you know, the, the little brother of Hostess, a little sister, she also had her zebra cakes coming on for the ride and oatmeal cookies. So we had this entire pyramid of desserts. And, and I still remember after that feast, I remember limping out of the fellowship hall. I remember being like, okay, let's play basketball. I was in pain. I was excruciatingly filled and satisfied. And so there's a reason I wanna share this table after my limping out, which I do have an announcement, everyone. I have a food baby. <laughs> okay, that was bad. All right. <laughs> One of the most powerful effects of a large 
and delicious meal is it leaves you full. It, It leaves you satisfied. We got no more room left. It's like, you're like, okay, maybe I can fill something. No, you don't have that. It's gone. Because you are so fulfilled with that meal. And so as we've been talking through scripture and looking through scripture, God has woven into creation this satisfying experience of eating. <laughs> and it makes me think, okay, yeah, it sustains life and all that stuff. But, but I think there's even more to the power of eating. I, I think that God is trying to teach us how to be satisfied, how to be filled up. I mean, look at Psalm 63. It says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I mean, go on to Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. In other words, the writer is saying, God, you satisfy me like a juicy, tender, 18-ounce juicy steak. You fill me up like that unlimited roll selection from Texas Roadhouse. Keep it coming, right? You fill me up. So the experience of eating a satisfying meal is meant to teach us the satisfying work of body and soul of God. So this morning, we're going to continue this series on soul food, right? When a meal with Jesus was more than food. And I love how Pastor Vince said it, how four out of the seven times (laughs) that there's a giving thanks directly for God or to God is when there was food involved, And so in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to read a story, and this story is so amazing because actually it's a meal that was not anticipated. There was no invite. It was just something that that God did to show everyone how he can fill them up, to show them his very nature. And I love this because it helps challenge each and every person in this room. And I know we all have our own stories and we all have our own experiences, you know, from the people in the front row to the people maybe hiding in the back or in the corners. We all have things in our life that want to rob our attention, that want to steal from our relationship with God. So I want to pose a question early on and I want us all to ask this question. This question was challenging me all week and is this, is God enough for me? Is he enough? You push everything away. Is God enough for me? Can God truly satisfy me? Or do I look elsewhere for satisfaction? Do I look elsewhere for purpose? Is God enough for me. I mean, I think about the trials of life, the temptations of, not, of life, some of, some of the sinful behaviors we struggle with, and usually it's because, and I'm speaking for me just as much as anyone, it's because Jesus is not enough for me in that moment, in that season. 
Well, the good news is, as we're going to be reading here in a moment in Luke chapter 9, is this. Jesus is enough to fully satisfy everyone who comes to him. He's enough. And you might not think that, or there might be moments I don't think that, but Jesus is enough to satisfy the areas of your life where you don't think he can fill you up. And I want to show you in the story how Jesus is sufficient. He wants to fill us up like that satisfying meal, like that uh, Twinkie and Hostess pyramid, like that chicken and Chinese food, Golden Corral Thanksgiving meal. He wants to fill you up beyond all measure. And we can see this in three different ways, three different characteristics, attributes of Jesus that we will see from Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. So let's look at the first thing, first attribute of Jesus that we're going to read in here. And it says, Jesus, and this one, I want you to hear me. Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. He is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. Let's go ahead and read, starting in verse 10. On the return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Then the crowds learned it. They followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So I want to unfold this scene for you because it starts off and, and here we go. We have, oh, is my water going to hold it? Perfect. Okay. We have this scene and here's these 12 disciples and they're sent out and they're essentially sent out on a mission trip. They're sent out and, and they're sent to preach the word. And, and when they're preaching the word, they are actually casting out demons. They are actually curing the sick. They're doing all these amazing miracles. And so they're coming back and, and they're pretty hyped, right? They're, they're hyped. They're pumped. You know, they're going back to Jesus. I mean, you got to remember these disciples, are, they're teenagers. You know, I always say Jesus was a youth pastor, right? Like he is ministering to these teens. And you think about some of your kids or grandkids or yourself. They were excited. They want to share their excitement. And so they're going to Jesus, and they want to they go to an area of privacy. So it's like, okay, we see these crowds. Jesus, you've been busy all day. You've been preaching, healing. Let's go away so we can have some of us time. You know, let's go to this area of Bethsaida. Well, of course, the people they heard about, oh, Jesus leaving, so I'm going to go too. They follow him. And I think about that. I'm sure the disciples were annoyed. <laughs> like, I'm sure they're like, really? Like, I want to have some Jesus time. I want to share all the things that he's been doing in, in my life. You know, I think about my kids, and it's like every time a man and I sit down to have a conversation is the moment they want our undivided attention. It's like they have a radar. Ooh, mom and dad are about to have a conversation and invest in each other's marriage. Let's go ahead and bother them. And occasionally, like, I'll start twitching. I'm like, Milo, mommy and daddy are talking. Scram, you know, or just toss him, you know. But regardless, we, we, we try to have those times together. And, and when, when there's interruption, it's like, hey, 
can, can you give us a moment? And so I think about the disciples. They wanted some time with Jesus. They want to share some war stories. Like, hey, this is what happened. And then what ends up really happening is the crowd follows and Jesus doesn't reject them, doesn't send them away. I used to take these trips as a, as a student pastor and we'd go on these five-day trips, right? It was to CIY. We'd go to the, um, near Gatlinburg, you know, in the Appalachian Mountains, or we'd go to Hope College, or we'd go over to Ohio to Cedarville, and, and we'd stay in these dorms, and it was amazing, and God worked in powerful ways, and, and we'd be on these trips, and, and we'd have our team, and we would be with these, these students all hours of the day and night, and answering questions, and crying with them, and praying with them, and reading the Bible with them, and processing with them, and staying up with them. And so after the trips, I would cancel our Sunday night programming. I'd say, hey, guys, go spend some time with your families. I know you're exhausted. Just go be with your, your families. Go spend time with Jesus. Recharge. You know, how would you feel if you were on one of those trips and that next morning after the trip, you got students on your front lawn and they want to ask you more questions and pray with you and talk with you and cry with you. You're kind of tired. You're tapped, right? You'd be like, hey, um, leave now, like, or else, <laughs> you know? And so these disciples, they wanted that with Jesus. But we see here in verse 11, when the crowds heard that they left, they followed him out of the town. Jesus welcomed them. He opens himself up to teach them, and then he cures them. And that could be something we skim over, but, but if you look at it, it's showing us this very statement, that Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. And we have fatigue. We have earthly fatigue. We have moments where we just want to we want to check out. And so naturally, we think God's that way. Oh, I check out. I get bothered. I'm done by the end of my workday. So God must be that way. And we need to remember that God is not that way. God is never, never, ever too tired to welcome those who seek him. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes with my struggles, with things that I battle, I get tired of bringing them to God. Am, am I alone with that? I'm going to go beneath the lights. Am I alone with that? That I get tired. Like, oh God, you've been hearing about this for 20 years. Like, I, I don't want to ask you again because you know how much I struggle. I'm sick of telling you about this. I should be over with this by now. And so we get tired. And, and I want to encourage everyone in this room, including myself, that God is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. He's not tired of your requests. You don't exhaust him. We get exhausted. He doesn't. I used to have a person who'd call me almost 10 times a day. <laughs> Loved him. He had a, a very tough home. His, his mom battled addiction. His dad was just a terrible person. And so he found his father figures, his brother figures, with people in the church. He exhausted me. I loved him, but he exhausted me. 
I'm, I'm not ashamed. He might be watching online. You exhaust me, but I love you, right? He knows it. I've told him to his face, okay? But the thing is, God does not get too exhausted from those who seek him. He's not tired of your requests. He's not tired of you. And that might be something that we need to hear today because we get tired of doing that. We get tired and reluctant of going to the grace of Jesus. And we forget that that grace is more powerful and more potent than we could ever imagine, more powerful than any struggle we might have. And so I want us to remember that as we, as we kind of go through that first point. Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. Also, Jesus is never unable to provide for all who need him. So it's not just, hey, come to me and talk. He also wants to provide. Listen to this in, in verses 12 through 15. Now the day began to wear, wear away, and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and they had them sit down. So now we have this crowd, this huge crowd outside of uh, Bethsaida. And, and from what we see, it's in the middle of nowhere. We got this, this massive multitude of people. They said 5,000 men. You count women and children. Who knows how many people were actually there? I mean, I think it's conservative to say that there's 10,000 or 15,000 people. This place was packed, right? This is like going to Detroit Pistons game. There were people, well, I don't know, there's not always people there. But the thing is, <laughs> there were people at this, at this time listening to Jesus. And so they're in the middle of nowhere, and he says, hey, they're, you know, the disciples, they're, they're practical people. They're hungry. Send them home. We'll get some time with you, Jesus. You know, let's, let's get rid of them. And then here comes Jesus again. <laughs> Feed them. Okay, let's, let's see what we, what we got here. And, and they saw that they had measly provisions. And again, they're, they're being very practical. They're, they're thinking about, hey, the, the day's ending, people are getting hangry. <laughs> Let's send them away. We're getting a little hangry. Send them away. They can buy their own food. We'll have some time with you. But that, that wasn't Jesus. It, I think about this, and it's like that person that came over early evening, and you didn't have plans for dinner, <laughs> right? You're like, dude, we're just eating mac and cheese and leftovers, right? We don't have a plan for a meal. And you're like, okay, it was so great having you here. You know, go, you know? It's kind of like that. They're like, we, we did not prepare for this. We didn't set aside anything to cook you a meal. And so here we have the disciples, and they're telling Jesus, hey, it's been fun. People, send them away. 
And Jesus says in verse 13, give them something to eat. And they said, okay, back to practical. The great apostles, right? They're coming back from their healing the sick, casting out demons, sharing the gospel. Hey, you're the mighty apostles. Feed them. And yet even here, they still didn't understand what Jesus was about to do. In verse 14, Jesus said, okay, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. In other words, watch this. If you don't think you have enough, then you don't know who you're talking to. I can think about Jesus maybe being like, hey, did you ever read Exodus 16? I rained manna from heaven. Haven't you ever seen? They cried, oh, we don't want manna. I gave them quail. Haven't you ever seen in 2 Kings 4 when hundreds of men were fed with just a few loaves? Jesus is saying to the disciples, you don't think you have enough because you don't know who I am. Have the people sit down and I will provide. I will take care of them. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, eat like a king? Or man, we ate like kings. You know, where did that come from? Think about that for a second. You know, kings are wealthy. They have no limit to what they can have. I mean, we're eating like kings. We could eat without end. I remember a time that I went on vacation and my sister-in-law, Beth, uh, Amanda's oldest sister, she's really high up in a vacation company called Vacation To Go, really high up. She oversees the cruise, cruises and resorts division. And so she can go on these amazing trips for free. She can go to these resorts and with a thumbs up or thumbs down, she can eliminate these resorts from her, from vacations to go. She's got the power. So when people see her coming into their resort on their cruise, they're like, oh, hello. <laughs> and so the cool thing about her is occasionally she can bring family members. So she took a man and I, we're literally poor pastors and I'm at a church in the middle of nowhere and, and uh, she took us to this five-star resort in Playa de Carmen. It's called Barcelo de Maya. Exactly like that. Don't mess it up. Barcelo de Maya. It was a mile-long resort, and it was broken up in four tiers. You had your lower tier, you know, for the lesser people, right? And then you had your tiers, and we got to stay at the, the biggest, best resort. We had access to all four resorts. There were buffets everywhere, on the beach, in the pool, in the building, in a room, you name it. Like, there were buffets everywhere, okay? And then we got these, these special bracelets, and it meant we were somebody. So it got us into these like special lounges that were all scattered around the resort. And I remember that bracelet, it gave me power. Like, look, I'm somebody, you know, fan me, you know, feed me grapes. And so I remember being like, here's this guy, this resort costs probably more than my entire year's salary. And, and I remember walking around and I felt like a king. I felt like somebody. And so when I think about this scripture, Jesus is showing them, 
It's not that they're kings. It's that they are with the person of prominence who really is the king. You know, I wasn't anybody because of, because of my bracelet. It was because who I was with. I was somebody because who I was connected with because the prominence of my sister-in-law. I was like a king because of her. And, and we're like kings because of Jesus. Because he's the provider. He's the endless source. He's the one who wants to fill us up. Jesus is never unable to provide for all who need him. So let's ask another question. I love questions. They make me mad sometimes, but they reveal intentions. And they re reveal a, a reality. They're like mirrors into our soul. Who is Jesus to you? How would you answer that question? Who is Jesus? Is he a myth? Is he a, a religious leader? Or is he a king who provides for his people? You know, we read this story and it says it, like he is the provider. We're gonna read about the miracle just here in a couple minutes. We read that he's the king of heaven who brings God's kingdom here to earth providing for his people this satisfying, satisfying almost meal to their souls. But maybe, let's make it practical, you've started to believe that Jesus isn't powerful enough to deal with the real problems of your life. Okay, you can feed the 5,000, you can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, you can die for my sins, but you can't deal with my marriage. You can't handle my pay stub. You can't handle my addiction. You can't handle my, my battle with severe depression and anxiety. You can't take that. I hear you. I even believe it but you really can't do this. And what happens is we start using supplements. We supplement our lives because Christ is not enough. If we're real, and, and, and do I have permission to get real with you? We have a Jesus plus mentality. Yes, Jesus, your Lord and Savior of my life, thank you for dying for my sin, but I need this to have value. I need this, this title, this paycheck, this lifestyle, this husband, this wife, this relationship in order to actually feel valuable. And if we're not careful, that might be the framework of our lives. Jesus, you're good enough for these things, but not this. And God's telling us not to have a Jesus plus lifestyle. Whenever we have a Jesus plus framework on our lives, then we don't believe he's powerful enough to provide. I don't know about you guys. I've been there in <laughs> some days. I'm there. That's something that we will probably have to face every day, the rest of our life.
But not only is Jesus not exhausted by you, not afraid by you, he wants to walk you through a lifestyle that we eliminate the plus. It's just Jesus. And so we go into this final act. And, and many of you, I'm sure, have heard this story. And it all comes down to this. Jesus is never too limited to satisfy all who hunger for him. It's what it says in verse 16 and 17. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. So Jesus has the disciples, he, he directs them. And, and this is something that blew my mind. Because in here, you know, he, he blesses, he goes to God, thank you for this meal. And he takes his meager offerings. And he takes those, those small pieces of bread and, and fish. And he satisfies a multitude. And the word is so important here. In verse 16, it says that he gave food to the disciples to set before the crowd. And the word gave, the Greek word is didomi. And didomi, it's an imperfect tense, which means uh, essentially it carries the idea that he kept giving and giving and giving and giving. So the disciples would come back to him and he would give more. They would come back to him and he would give more. That the source was him. The food didn't just appear into the groups of 50. He was the giver. They kept coming back to him and more kept coming. And he kept giving and giving and giving. And the baskets, they kept coming. And it continued to a place where they had so much, they were all satisfied. Every single person. And there was even enough leftovers that if they had some people who came late, they would have been satisfied. He had leftovers to feed even more that, were, that could have been invited. He's saying, I got this over here. If we have anyone who comes late, I have more. And I'm sure even if they used the 12 baskets, he would have given more. He gave and gives and gives. That's our God. And that's what he wants to do with you. And that's what he wants to do with me. Everyone is satisfied and more people could have been satisfied if they were there. How often do we view Jesus as running with limited supply? Our God doesn't run out. 
There ain't no hole in his bucket. He's got enough to supply your every need. I love this quote by uh, Tim Chester in his book, Meals with Jesus, and he called it a theology of leftover. So let me read this for you guys. This is what it says. The day is coming when he will give them as he gives us another impossible task to proclaim repentance and forgiveness to all the nations. What can we do? Jesus asks us what resources we have, and he asks us to have faith. That day, the disciples took home 12 baskets full of leftover food. The impossible task was not only completed, but was over-completed. And those 12 disciples are now 2 billion disciples and counting. The disciples thought their five loaves were a finite resource that couldn't be shared. 5,000 people later, they still have 12 baskets full of bread. Can you reach your neighbor with the gospel? Can you pluck up the courage to tell your friend about Jesus? Can you start a new church in your city? Can you feed 5,000 with five loaves? We could never do that. We don't have the money or the people. Jesus says, what do you have? Offer that to me and let me use it for my glory. We might not have enough for 5,000, but we have something to offer God. And I think about that incredible story, that powerful story. It shows us that Jesus can satisfy everyone and anyone. You know, last week, you guys know my voice was gone. And uh, man, I was battling that. And, and I was actually at a place where I was reading something in the New Testament where it was talking about this person who was sick. And God said, hey, you didn't come to me when you were sick. Why didn't you come to me first? So I started praying and all that. But I still remember last week as my voice was shot and I was praying throughout this week, something happened before the 11 o'clock service. I actually received a text. I received a text from a, from a person that was at my last church. She said, hey, is this Winston? Is this, is this your number? It's a person that fell off the map. It's a person that uh, fell into foster care, essentially being adopted. And, you know, mom is an addict. And who is her dad? She doesn't have any clue who her dad is. And, and she's that person who has battled people taking advantage of her and, and battling addiction. And, 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 and again, I had reached out to her, reached out to her, and eventually got to a, a place where, in, in the young term, she was ghosting me. <laughs> She was not responding. I don't even know where she went. But right before the 11 o'clock service last week, she said, is this Winston? I just want to tell you, thank you for pointing me to Christ. I've been chasing stuff. I've been chasing things that I thought would fill me up. And I just remember, you kept teaching me, go to Jesus. Jesus is enough. Go to him. And I can say today that Jesus is enough. Amen. She must have read my sermon for this week. And I think about that with everyone in this room. Do you hunger for him? Do you hunger for Christ? Do you long to be satisfied? Not just in your body with a good meal, 
but long to be satisfied in body and soul. I want to challenge you to believe, not just say, not just know, but to believe that Christ is enough. And he wants to satisfy you. And he's got leftovers so you can bring anyone you want. You know, and I expect in the next couple weeks, I want to hear the stories of people bringing friends, sharing meals with someone, bringing them to Easter, because what God is doing here I mean, Easter's still two weeks away, and we already have over six baptisms happening that day. God is on the move. You gotta believe that. But God chooses you, and he chooses me to be part of that mission, to be part of going in this world. And yeah, we're gonna have some battle scars. Yeah, it's gonna hurt, but it's worth it because someone's eternity is on the line. So trust that Jesus is enough. He's more sufficient than any earthly substitute. You don't need Jesus plus, you just need Jesus. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.